0: This episode is supported by my company, Amethics Technologies. When I created Amethics, I had one objective in mind, which was supporting human decisions in complex data-driven scenarios. And that's exactly what Amethics is today. It's an independent lab that builds data solutions for your business. I'm very proud of several achievements in uh, domains like healthcare, pharmaceuticals, supply chain, and fintech. So, I really invite you to check out Ametix.com, that's A-M-E-T-H-I-X.com. Thank you for listening to Data Science at Home podcast with Francesco Gadaletta. You are about to get cutting-edge insights from the people who are reshaping the world of technology with machine learning, data science, and artificial intelligence. It's time for Data Science at Home. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of Leuven in Belgium. I hope everyone is safe. I'm always very glad to have you here on the show. First of all, let me tell you about the Discord channel that we have. Uh, there is a link in the show notes of this episode, but also on the official website datascienceathome.com. There is a sidebar if you navigate to the website and uh, there you find a link and you will be forwarded directly to our discord server. Beautiful people there. We always have nice discussions about previous episodes. We can also propose new ones. If you uh, would like me to speak about something that you are uh, struggling with or just curious, I would be very happy to take that suggestion in the, in my consideration. So, what is this episode about this episode is about something that is extremely fancy (laughs) which is data distillation now data distillation is um, a methodology that is kind of part of the family of model compression something that Geoffrey hinton started back in 2014 or 15 if i'm not wrong uh, which consists of uh, training machine learning models and then compress them while well, in particular deep learning models of course and then compress them which means reducing considerably the uh, number of parameters so that you know these networks these neural networks can be served Um, much easier. They do not burn your GPU or uh, monopolize your resources and uh, probably run also on edge devices. So this was a technique that Geoffrey Inton uh, proposed back in the the days, uh, which was the concept of having, you know, the master and the student network that can where the student usually learns. The student is a neural network that is much smaller, of course, and learns tries to learn the knowledge from the master. So the knowledge from the master is kind of transferred to the student, but the student is a network that is, you know, 10 or more times uh, smaller than, than the master. With uh, this episode, I'm not going to speak about model compression. There is a, an episode uh, on datascienceatom.com uh, in which we speak about that. I also started a small project uh, to show all these things. I called it NetZip it should be on the GitHub repo. Uh, again, all these links are in the show notes of these episodes or on the official website, datascienceatom.com. So what's dataset distillation? Well, dataset distillation uh, wants to achieve the same goal, which is compressing something, but in this case is not compressing a machine learning model, but compressing a training dataset. So the idea uh, of uh, dataset distillation is to reduce consistently the training data set, and starting from a, usually a very large one uh, into a very small one. So we know that deep learning networks are, you know, they have one uh, drawback among many, uh, which is they require a lot of data to, to train due to the fact that uh, there is one mechanism of, of, of learning, which is called uh, stochastic gradient descent, that is an iterative method and of course requires to, you know, walk the gradients, in the negative direction and iteratively improve the weights over and over again, which means that a lot of images in case of computer vision, but data in general uh, have to be, uh, you know, are feeding the network and, um, and many times this is not possible, right? Uh, or you need a very dedicated hardware and resources to perform training on very large training data set. Uh, so there is one uh, training benchmark that the authors of this paper have been using, which is uh, the very famous MNIST images. Uh, this is the images of uh, these are the images of um, uh, 60,000 uh, digits um, in the form of uh, images. So there is a 28 by 28 pixel images and each image represents uh, a number that is exactly the, the class or the label uh, that a uh, machine learning model has to uh, predict. Right. And so this is a very famous benchmark. Uh, those who are, who are familiar with this know the, about the 60,000 samples. Um, it's something that are, is already in the literature for many years now. Um, and the idea is to take this 60,000 image, data, image data set and compress it to just ten distilled images, right? So one per category. So that's ideal, because in fact, you know, this, it's kind of the same of one shot learning in which you would have a network that um, sees an image once and just learns it immediately, learns all the possible features that characterize that image, just by that image, Um, which is a bit like, you know, a kid that sees one cat and immediately understands how to distinguish that cat from, from a dog or from a rhino, um, even though they all have four legs and two eyes and many other common properties, but there is something else, of course, that the kid can capture, uh, well, the brain, the human brain can capture almost immediately, even with uh, so-called one-shot learning. And so that's, you know, that's the, the, the purpose of this. Uh, can we distill data sets such that the training sets are much much smaller eventually and ideally as small or as big as the number of classes that we are considering for a classification one question that we um if you ask for example a statistician or um, a mathematician is um is this is it possible to train for example an image classification model on uh, let's say distilled images out of the manifold of natural images. And if you ask this question, I mean, of course, like this is one of the questions that you always ask when you meet people, right? <laughs> well, if you ask such a question, a lot of people will tell you, no, that's not possible. You know, for, for the simple reason that if you have a distilled training data, uh, data set, this might have a completely different statistical distribution than the, the real test data, right? And so for that reason, you cannot have, uh, you know, you cannot train out of the manifold of the original data. What is the manifold? Well, the manifold is, uh, I'm, I'm afraid that many mathematicians out there are going to be disgusted by this definition, <laughs> but is in fact, it's a topological space in which a model usually projects the input um, and usually this space is much smaller than the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the dimensional space of the input so there is some kind of you know compression there. And another thing that is happening within the manifold concept is that um, each point has a neighborhood that is so-called homomorphic uh, to the Euclidean space uh, of the same dimension, which means that whatever is closed in this new dimensional space is also closed in the original space. I-, I know that this is not a formal definition of a manifold. Defining the manifold is much, much more complex than than what i just said but it is what it is and i think it's a decent enough to move on and uh, understand how this methodology works so what the authors of this paper have shown is that yes it is indeed possible uh, to train an image classification model on distilled images out of the manifold of natural images and they do this with a trick Uh, That is what I call the ping pong trick. (laughs) And to understand what I mean with this ping pong definition, uh, you have to give me a few minutes. I'm going to get there. To give you some numbers, they start with a a training set of 60,000 images of MNIST. um, And uh, what they do is they distill these 60,000 images into 10 images, just 10. So like we have the zero, the one until nine basically one image per class. And so they train a neural network and they see what happens. But they train the network not with the original images, but with the distilled images. And what they get is that they have a machine learning model that is trained and works with 94% accuracy. Now I think that uh, the original, you know, the the state of the art with MNST, I think it's 99 point something. Um, So there is a, a solid 5% uh, loss. But uh, well, in fact, you have been training a network with just 10 images instead of 60,000. So, um, you know, even the number of steps of gradient descent steps um, is much, much smaller. So um, I call it a win, right? (laughs) There is another data set that I've been using, which is the Cypher 10. Uh, This is an image of a regular uh, sorry this is a training set of regular images. it's not just uh, digits and there are many more classes there and 50,000 images have been distilled into just a hundred images in the, in the in the benchmarks. And also there they get something like 54% accuracy. So you know that's these are quite promising because the the training set is dramatically smaller, reduced, with respect to the original training data set and so you can imagine all the benefit that you might have uh, by having a neural network that can train only on 100 images or only 10 images There is, of course the dark side of all thing of all this and um, uh, which is about m- malicious attacks to neural networks but more on that later so stay with me let me explain uh, what the approach is about what is this ping pong thing that i just mentioned well uh, let's let's rephrase a bit the, the the objective. Given a model and a data set, uh, what we want to do here is to obtain a new mo- a new data set that is much much smaller than the original one, right? And we will call this data set the distilled data set. Okay, and what we want is that this distilled data set uh, performs almost as well as the original data set. You know, that's the objective. Now. How do we do that? Well, let's try to give some names to things just for me to explain. It's always I've always find it extremely hard to explain formulas on on a podcast. Usually I'm uh, I'm equipped with uh, with whiteboards or paper <laughs> and pen and so it, it's much it's much easier doing that way. But anyway, consider a training data set. Uh, we will call it X. So this is the set of all the images in the case of a computer vision task. Now, what we want to to do is building a network and we will call the network theta, where theta is the model parameters, right, of that particular network. And then we also have to define a loss function, which we call clearly L. Uh, What the loss function does essentially represents the difference between the prediction of the network and the ground truth, right? So if you know, uh, what's the true label of a particular example? Well, then you ask the network what the predicted label would be if they match the loss is zero. Uh, if they don't, and there is a way to measure this numerically, there is a positive number uh, that you want to minimize, right? So that's exactly what happens when you train a neural network. You are minimizing a function, the loss function, and you are finding the theta, which is the model parameters that uh, minimize uh, the loss function over a batch or a set of batches or the entire training data set, right? So that's that's what you do when you do, uh, you know, when you train with PyTorch, with Keras, with TensorFlow, etc. When, when you hit the button train, you are minimizing the loss function, all right? What happens when you want to compress or well to build a distilled data set out of the original one? Well, we called it the ping pong. Well, in fact, I did in the the paper, of course, they definitely do not speak about ping pong. (laughs) But in fact, the authors of the paper found a very interesting trick that is, in the first step, they derive new weights, theta, let's call them theta one, as a function of distilled data uh, x tilde, right? So you have original data, call them x, distilled data, we call them x tilde. And so, what they do, they derive new weights theta one as a function of the distilled data x tilde. What is distilled data x tilde at the beginning? Random noise, okay? And then, in the second step, they evaluate these new weights that they found in step one over all the trading data x. And so, and that's it, and that's pretty much it. So, what they essentially are doing is, finding new parameters where the new parameters are the distilled data, right? And so they are minimizing uh, the loss function to uh, to optimize this X tilde, which is not parameters, it's images. And then use these images as, uh, you know, the distilled training data that you can feed another network and that network will learn almost immediately without you feeding with uh, the 60,000 or plus uh, images instead. This is what I call the ping pong because they, they have two steps and they go from creating from, from deriving new weights to evaluating those weights on the training data. In the paper, there is an, an algorithm in pseudocode uh, that I find relatively easy to learn to, to read. Uh, and that's something that I highly suggest you doing if, you, if I didn't do a good job explaining this. I hope that's not the case, of course, but in that algorithm, you can see exactly that in just pseudocode. Now, what's the dark side of, of all this? Well, it's that um, distillation can be used, of course, for um, increasing the speed of training and reducing the dimension of the training set but it can also be considered for, you know, distilling malicious data to create adversarial data that will fool a network completely and creating these data that are distilled so that you don't need 10,000 images or more, but you just need one that is distilled and specifically forged to fool the model for that particular category. And so data poisoning attacks is something that is more and more prominent and more and more common in the computer vision tasks. We are speaking about this more and more often, unfortunately. And uh, it consists of injecting the training data set with uh, images that are images in case of computer vision, of course, but you can generalize this on other data types. And essentially, you inject the training data with special images or special data that fool the model, that fool the neural network. Now this is extremely dangerous because you might think of a autonomous vehicles equipped with a computer vision system and an image that will fool the network uh, could definitely be a post it attached to one street sign where the speed limit is, uh, you know, misunderstood from 50 to 150 kilometers per hour. And so your autonomous vehicle will ignore that signal completely. And of course, increase the chances of of crashing because you are driving on a road where you should be driving much, much slower. Of course, this is the case in which, uh, you know, the car is equipped only by a computer vision system. There's nothing else working, uh, which is very weird, but you get, you get the point. Like it's, it's a way of attacking a neural network that tries to recognize something or classify something. And because of uh, the presence of some uh, specially forged uh, images, the neural network fails dramatically. This is called catastrophic forgetting in, uh, in the jargon. So basically with the distilled data, you can speed up this process as well, right? So as you speed up the process of training for good, you also speed up the process of training for bad. Uh, and so that's a problem uh, that's why i think we have to uh, be very careful when it comes to to you know training these models uh, in the real world um, and probably we need to sit down and start regulating these things start regulating training and testing and uh, there are already already great people uh, taking care of this uh, because these are the problems that we uh, we will be dealing with more and more often Another interesting point still uh, about data poisoning attacks is that this approach does not require the poisoned training data to be stored and trained on repeatedly as it's the case for the first versions of, uh, of data poisoning attacks. This method attacks the model training in just one iteration and with only a few data. So that's key. That's extremely important to know but definitely dangerous. If you get access to the paper, and of course I will uh, report the link in the show notes of this episode on home.com, you can see these images, you know, these um, distilled images that initially are, you know, pretty much random noise. And as the network trains, they start getting the shape of, you know, of the image they try to summarize. And so for example, for the MNIST, that's relatively easy to, you know, to see. Um, you can see that, the, for example, the zero is initially, you know, quite noisy, uh, so noisy that in fact, you know, you cannot really understand that's a zero. But as the network starts training and moves on and moves on and goes on and goes on, you can see that that zero starts, you know, getting its own shape. And uh, not only that, uh, it takes the shape of all the possible zeros in the training data. It's a kind of a summary of all the zeros in the MNST uh, dataset. For the example of the uh, Cypher 10, um, that's not really um, the same uh, in the sense that you can see that, for example, the image of a plane or a, or a dog or a monkey, you know, they start random noise, but uh, as the network trains, uh, they stay more or less noisy or well, they, they change shape, so they become much less noisy or random than, than they were in the first step. But they are still difficult to um, it's still difficult to understand that's a a monkey or a cat or a bird or a car. This means that, uh, you know, if you are attacking a machine learning model with uh, uh, distilled images, the human eye can definitely detect these things. And so if there is human intervention uh, or inspection, uh, you get busted. Uh, that's not the case in uh, the other form of data poisoning attacks where only a few pixels could be, you know, flipped and uh, in order to fool that particular deep, uh, deep network without the human eye to understand or detecting a, a change uh, in, the, in the image that, that made it malicious. So that's another key difference. But you know, of course, in turn you have uh, you can attack a network in a much uh, less time um, and also much more consistently because that distilled image is in fact representing uh, a, a thousand of other images or or much more, many more uh, in the in the data set. And so it's as if you are attacking the model with thousands and thousands of images, while in fact you're doing it on, with only one, right? So that's these are the keys of this paper. I find it extremely uh, interesting. Another important point of this work is that they provide the source code. So you can see uh, there is a GitHub repo. I will also report this in the show notes of this episode. And you can try this yourself. But of course, please do not attack deep learning models. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, Don't forget to drop by the Discord channel. Uh, You will find the link in the Uh, in the show notes of this episode as well, uh, and also on uh, datascienceatom.com, there is a sidebar, uh, just search for Discord and the other channels where we are present, uh, click on it and join us. Talk to you soon. This episode is supported by my company, Amethics Technologies. When I created Amethics, I had one objective in mind, which was supporting human decisions in complex data-driven scenarios. And that's exactly what Amethix is today. It's an independent lab that builds data solutions for your business. I'm very proud of several achievements in uh, domains like healthcare, pharmaceuticals, supply chain, and fintech. So I really invite you to check out that's amethix.com. That's A M E T H I X.com.